Hola, welcome, welcome. to Consafos. Welcome to Consafos. Uh, somos Saul Martinez y Miguel González. Hola a todos. How's it going? So Consafos, Latinx podcast for creatives. For those of you who don't know, if you're joining us for the first time, this is the place where you find out that your story has been told but unheard. Not just once, but several times. In gallery spaces and artwork, there seems to be a common theme in the creative expression that Latinos and Latinas the world over are telling. That is that you're not alone and that there is something that should be celebrated. Whether you identify as Latinx, Chicanx, Hispanic, you come from a generational struggle of having heritage on the side of the border, but that institution has made it feel inferior. Should you assimilate that Emiliano Zapata shirt? That's not school appropriate. Your artwork is too cultural. Or Spanish? Yeah, it's not allowed here. We're here to right those wrongs. We're here to celebrate you and to discuss those common experiences through the creative art lens. There's this, there's this fact that you know, the Latinx experience is devoid in most history books, that there's severe underrepresentation in museums and some visibility, yeah, some in galleries. We're here to find a nationwide curation of artists that look and sound just like what you see in the mirror every day. We hope that you realize that artists are just ordinary people and that they can be experienced and understood by our gente and that it's possible for you, yes, you, to create and consume that art. So this one's for you, a collective Latinx experience. We want to contar tu historia through the art. Which brings us to our guest today. All right, so established in 2015, El Comalito Collective is an art gallery and community space that supports and builds community by showcasing <laughs> underrepresented voices through a collective of works that spark consciousness. This is a space by and for the community. El Comalito Collective was born out of the necessity to create a platform for underprivileged artists to be able to connect build a network of support and El Comal, which is the griddle, serves as the metaphor for the platform for which the space was created. As El Comal is the platform that serves as one of the catalysts for heating up tortillas and bringing family together. In the past, El Comal was centrally located and its heat weaved the family together, much like present day kitchens do. Tortillas are made from corn, which is indigenous to our land and churned ground and transformed into masa for tortillas which then get heated on a platform, the comal, to act as a sustenance and food. El Comalito Collective hopes to serve as the symbolic platform that will create sustenance for the Vallejo community through the arts. Mm. Abel and Edgar Arturo, who are a couple and have experiences navigating the art world, both as individual gay brown men, as well as a gay couple of color, decided to open up space uh, to honor underrepresented voices and together build opportunities for communities to support and create support. El Comalito Collective was born from the belief that art should be for, as well as by the community. Abel is a queer Chicano artist who was born in Fairfield, California in 1979. He received an MFA degree in painting from Yale School of Art in 2010, and a BFA in drawing and painting, as well as graphic design, from California State University, Long Beach, in 2007. He was selected to participate in the Artist-in-Residence program at Recology San Francisco in 2011. He's exhibited nationwide and currently works and resides in Vallejo, California. And then we have Edgar Arturo Camacho Gonzalez, a queer Chicano community activist, artist, and poet living on occupied Olone land. He is committed to making the communities he is a part of safe, vibrant, and welcoming for all by networking with people who seek to change the world through a decolonial lens. Edgar Arturo has exhibited his work and poetry across the country and is a co-founder of the collective. So without further ado, we introduce to you Abel Rodriguez, Edgar Arturo Camacho Gonzalez, and El Comalito Collective. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Uh, it's good to see your faces. I can't believe I'm talking to you guys instead of just watching you interview somebody. <laughs> That's so funny. We were thinking the same thing. It's like the roles are reversed and it's, it feels a little weird, but also excited. <laughs> With us today are Abel Rodriguez and Edgar Arturo Camacho Gonzalez. And that's the short form of his name, I think. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves and the collective, please? Sure. Um, so uh, my name is Edgar Arturo and uh, I'm an artist. I, I was calling myself a self-taught artist for a long time because I did my undergraduate degree in sociology and I come from the sciences, but I can't call myself self-taught anymore because I married a classically trained artist, Abel. So now I have a teacher. 
so that's kind of cool, and I'm excited about that. And as far as Comalito, uh, you know, Comalito is a labor of love. It's our child. You know, it came out of, it was born out of a necessity in, in, in Vallejo where it was, Vallejo was an up-and-coming community for artists, but there was no representation for artists of color or queer artists. So uh, when we couldn't find community, we decided to create our own. And um, that's kind of how Comalito was born. And it kind of transcended uh, Vallejo and it's now like Bay Area blown and it's, it's pretty amazing. I'm really, we are both really excited about like just what it's grown into. What it's, what it's turning into actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my name is Abel. Um, I'm from Fairfield, este, which is like the next town over from, from, here from Vallejo. Um, uh, went to Cal State Long Beach, uh, got a BFA in drawing and painting and a BFA in graphic design. Uh, got my master's in painting from Yale, graduated, came back home, and decided to put those uh, degrees to work. And we actually ended up, uh, uh, well, before all that, um, in, in college, we were very much involved in politics and, and social justice movements. And art has always been the main drive for me personally uh, when it comes to uh, getting involved and, how, and what I can contribute. When we met, uh, we had similarities in, in the sense that we both were working with social justice movements. Uh, we were working with uh, the Dreamers at the time, and we decided to just continue on. And so now we have a kid, uh, Se Michael Malito Collective, and <laughs> I don't even know what to say now. Like, it, it has its own mind, and we're kind of like setting it free virtually uh, due to this new pandemic that we have. Um, and so, like, most of the stuff that I'm pretty sure you've seen currently it's all virtual because of, of the current situation. Uh, so it's, it's pretty new to us and, and it's, it's evolving as we speak, so. All right, before the next question, I wanna say that I wanna have you guys on the show just to specifically talk about your art because it is amazing, it's breathtaking. I, I've uh, taken a tour through your personal collection and I'm like, oh man, there's another one. Oh, another one, you know, like <laughs> you guys just keep them coming. Like you have some great ideas and some great follow through when it comes to execution. It's, we have to talk about your art pretty soon, but let's, I think for this, this show, for this program, we'd love to talk more about the collective and what it's become. Obviously it's your baby. So I'm sure you love it as much as one of your art projects. Um, in fact, you probably, you probably consider it an art project. Um, oh, yeah. a life project. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you, you mentioned that, you know, it began, but what was that catalyst? What was the one thing where you're just like, we have to do this? Not like, ah, everyone has those ideas where, I mean, I wish everyone would just go with their gut, but how did, it, how did you go with your gut and how did you make it happen? <laughs> how did we make it happen? Uh, <laughs> with a lot of sweat, blood and tears. Um, no, you know, we, we, we were invited, honestly, um, it was, I think that the, that the the moment where we both looked at each other and we just knew that we just we we needed to do something was when we were invited to the Dia de los Muertos exhibition and we were like okay this is our own community we've exhibited uh, individually uh, as artists you know and throughout the the country really uh, but we had never really exhibited here in our own community because there was no like representation for artists of color so when we got invited to the Dia de los Muertos exhibit we're like okay maybe this is a way that that like you know, we try and, and become part of the, the arts community here in, here in Vallejo because it was just not happening. And we got there to, and it was, you know, we got invited by another Latinx artist. So we were like, okay, you know, let's do this. And we show up and we were the only two artists of color who were like installing. We were like, what is going on here? You know, um, and we just looked at each other and we're like, okay. Um, we can have conversations about appropriation and we have been for years, but like what, what, what is a, what is an action that we can take um, in order to like, I guess, demonstrate what we mean um, as opposed to just speak it. And then we, we did it. We said, there's a space available in downtown Vallejo. Uh, this, the, the rent at the time was, was, it was pre uh, major gentrification in Vallejo. So it was, it was more affordable. Um, and we decided, let's talk to the community about why this is not okay, but it's also, let's also show them how it should be done. And we decided to open up El Comalito. And that was kind of the, the one event that kind of, I guess. It was a catalyst. Yeah, that was the catalyst. 
Great answer. Great answer. Oh, that is just wonderful. And I love that, that's that. awesome. Can, can you tell me a little bit about some of the, the events that you have that are engaging, how you're engaging online and what you're doing to, to bring Hinta together? Well, I think the reason why we had decided to call ourselves the Comalito, I think that that is, is, is mainly, or the main reason why uh, we decided to call ourselves the Cultural Arts Center um, was because we feel that as, as, as folks that are very privileged and have been to academia or have been exposed to just academic language and just folks in general, that by fostering a space that uh, highlighted artistas, musicians, poets, and not just, not just the fine arts in general, but just the arts uh, as a whole, um, that community, that, that it resembled a lot what, what, uh, in, what in indigenous homes is the comal, which is a source of food, a source of heat, and it's central to the home. And we felt that in order for us to, to have community show up, because community doesn't show up to a, a regular art opening, um, I think that that's also a very, very uh, specific thing that, that folks don't know what to do at openings. For my parents, it was always awkward uh, when I had an opening and they were like, you know, like, uh, do we not touch anything? Like, what do you do? And I think that when we, we decided to open up the space, we decided to open up the space for, for folks to feel, to feel comfortable. So we always had music playing. Uh, there was always platicas, and it, it was more about how you engage with the community, and, and the art becomes that, that, uh, that platform to do it and to bring people together to talk about whatever is at hand. Language también. Yes. In English, in Espanol. Mm -hmm. um, so making sure that, that, that it was accessible, um, that folks saw themselves reflected within the work that we were exhibiting, you know? Uh, and I think that what Evan was, was sharing is, is that oftentimes the white cube um, is uncomfortable for folks of color, you know? So we are like, and the arts also contribute to gentrification. So uh, one of the main questions that we asked ourselves was how, how do we, if we're gonna be calling ourselves a community art gallery that's for and by community, what does that really look like? Um, and I think that that's what I was sharing as far as like making it sure, making sure that it was accessible, that the language was accessible, that folks saw themselves reflected within the work and the space. Um, and that that was done through musica, through pan dulce and food and through, through the work. Um, but to, to go back to the, the, the question that you had asked, which was about bringing it virtually, you know, when the pandemic came about, um, you know, we, we were like, okay, um, a couple of things came up like as a community art space that's run by queer people of color um, we rarely receive funding and when we do receive funding it's like community donations it's not grants so we're like okay so you know on one end we were like well we've never received funding so and we did we've lost our space we had lost our space due to rent increasing um, but we had partnered with the university Cal Maritime um, so we had a space, but it wasn't ours. Um, and we decided, okay, well, how are we going to continue to do what we do virtually? And we decided let's continue our online classes because we were, um, offering free, uh, youth and adult classes on the weekends where we were providing all of the materials and it was all donation based. How do we move that online? So we decided to, to do that, um, via Facebook live and then to post all of the videos on our website. We also have three um, showrooms currently on our website where folks can take tours of the shows that we're gonna show in the physical space. So now that we don't have access to the physical space, folks can still tour the gallery through the, through, you know, through the comfort of their homes and check out the work um, that way. And now we're even offering like drag story time, piñata workshops, um, what else do we have coming up? Um, healing, workshops. healing workshops, yeah, curandera workshops. So we're paying now artists um, to go onto our platform and provide services for the community that they were normally providing in the physical realm. That is just so overwhelmingly just beautiful what you've provided for your community and I wish I lived closer. So what, what is the community buy-in? So like you're, you're saying that you open up the doors for, you know, for our hint to feel comfortable walking in through those doors and knowing that it's, it's for them, that they're invited to look ask questions they don't have to bring anything like they would suspect you know if they were coming over to your home but so so what has been what has been the community buy-in like how how loaded does your gallery get with people on an opening night 
Um, yeah, <laughs> it's standing room only. Um, and yeah, it's standing room only. And we, during the summer months, we would average anywhere between like 500 and 1,000 people coming through opening nights. Um, uh, and, you know, and it, was in, it, it is in tandem with the community art walk. So it is just a lot of folks coming through the art walk. So we get a lot of just foot traffic, but a lot of the traffic actually is folks coming out to the gallery specifically. And when we first opened, community buy-in was challenging. You know, at first it was like, cross our fingers, hope they show up. And, um, and it, it was a steady, a steady increase. Like, you know, at first it was just kind of like, pop my head in, is it safe? Uh, I saw, then, yeah, venden tortillas, <laughs> el tomalito, they thought we were at the restaurante. Uh, so, so it took some time to, 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 to establish a following, but social media helped and, and just being really present in the community because we, before we opened, again, we were both very politically active in la comunidad. So folks knew who we were and that really helped. That helped a lot. But now it's like anything we do, it just seems like the community just shows up and it is so beautiful because, you know, the buy-in is now there and they know that we're going to be providing quality programming that's socio and culturally political and relevant and just, yeah, it's beautiful. So thank you, Comunidad, if you're listening for, for, for joining us always. That's, that's, oh man, I'm, I'm just so amazed at what you have. And I'm really envious and I wish we had something like that. I mean, we, we have our little pockets of growing gallery spaces and, and cultural centers, but it's nothing like what you have. And I'm excited for the possibilities. You know, there's opportunity there. So one, one thing I want to ask is, since you're talking about your, your, your collective and your gallery space, what has been one of the most or the most memorable moment for you, for both of you? I, I think we both can say the same thing, right? Are you thinking the same thing? Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> we got married in our gallery. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. I was like, you go for it. He's like, you go for it. Because if you can say the same oh. thing, I was going to like, You should have written it on a board to see if it was right? the same answer. <laughs> That's crazy because when I got married, I got married in the gallery too. Boom. I love it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Congratulations. Um, and I mean, and, I mean, we decided to to open it up to the community um, in a in a way that that also allowed for community to partake in something that they probably never would have thought they would have seen or engaged with. Um, there were so many people there that we didn't know. Uh, we had friends and family, of course, but it was mostly community, and like people were crying, and there was like a sage burning. I mean, it was just a, a beautiful night. And so when we talk about like when when community shows up, they know that something's gonna happen in that space. That like it's out of our control, really. I think it's just more that community shows up and just that energy gets it just gets brought all the time. Um, and and people know that that when when an event is happening, that magic happens. And and it's all the people. All the people show up and they tell their friends and their network. And it just. It, just keeps on growing in that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You, you mentioned about activism and arts earlier. And with what you're doing with El Comalito, being with your community, like you said, it's just kind of taking its own organic shape, I guess, from the family and the extended family you have now through the community. Do you still see it as a sense of activism in El Comalito? Or how is that working? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that everything that we do is activism. You know, we try and center artists of color and queer artists uh, at the forefront of, of our events. Uh, again, representation is so important, you know. So, so you know, with the poetry events, the, the arts, the artists that we showcase, one of the things that we always talk about is that, that there's room for the arts everywhere, right? And there's room for all types of art. But the work that we choose to showcase is not necessarily like beautiful landscapes or sunflowers that are rendered really beautifully. Like we decide to showcase, and again, there's nothing wrong with those pieces of art, um, but for us, we, we decide to specifically showcase work that has uh, meaning, that has impact, uh, work that has a sense of urgency, uh, work that when our young, we, we ask ourselves this all the time, like because we both come from a traumatic upbringing, like what what did young me need when i was 10 when i was 11 when i was 12 
Um, and how can we make sure that when a young me sees what we're doing, that they feel included, they feel represented, they feel not alone. You know, and we talk about those marginalized communities, whether they're young women of color, whether they're queer folks of color, whether they're young queer men or a trans person. Um, so we make sure that all of the, that work is at the forefront, but not only that the work is at the forefront, um, that we're inviting those artists to our artist talks, that we make sure that we can fly out the artist or pay for the artist or bring the artist to our community um, to make sure that, that these young people don't just see it, but they get to interact and they get to hear firsthand what those experiences are for someone to say, hey, you're not alone and you're beautiful and you're strong. You know, um, and I think that those pieces are so important and often get left behind, you know, because there's been times where I've been invited to show at a gallery um, that's not close to home. And they're like, oh, we just want your work, but we don't need you. And like that has happened. And I'm just kind of like, but I really want to be there. You know, how could you talk about my work without me being there? Because at that point, it's just an interpretation, right? There's this whole other layer of, of who does the work belong to? Um, and, you know, so we just want to make sure that we do our best to make sure that, um, yeah, that we're representing in that way. So everything we do because of that intention becomes activism. Bravo. We needed more Edgars and Avelitos around when we were growing up, you know, <laughs> yeah. like we could have used that message a long time ago. And I'm so glad that oh, yeah. there are people like you around. Um, so my question kind of revolves, I guess, around that whole cre creation of artwork that is impactful and speaks of the moment. Um, you know, that's what 21st century art should be. It's like, there's just so much going on that people should be speaking about it. Um, so when, what, it doesn't have to be, you know, recent, but when you were growing up, was there an artwork, not, not of your own, but that you saw that you were just like, oh my gosh, this is what art is. That is impactful. That is just like that for me, like my, the, the one, the one artwork that I remember made me cry It made me tear up and it was just so special. And I was like 16 or 17. I didn't realize art could do that. You know, was there something like that for you? I gotta say yes, for sure. For me, um, high school, 10th grade, uh, had an elective class, decided to take art. And I ended up going into this class during lunch to speak to the teacher. And she told me to just sit down and look at a magazine. She was in a meeting with someone else. And so I was looking through the pages of, of, I don't know what it was, like art news or something like that. And I flipped the page and there was The Scream by uh, Edward Munch. And that piece completely talked about my affiliation to gangs, my current situation of, of queerness and feeling like I didn't belong. And so like in terms of internal turmoil, and whatever I was going through at the time, like that piece specifically nailed it. Um, and it wasn't rendered perfectly. It was fast and there was, there was a urgency to it. And so I also connected to the roughness of the way that it was done and the way that it was executed. Um, and so for me, the, the, uh, the definition of what art was completely changed at that point. Because now I saw that it didn't have to be uh, uh, a perfectly rendered portrait, that it didn't, that perspective had to be askewed, that colors could be completely different. And at that same point, it still had that punch to the gut where it was like, oh, you know what? I am that kid that's going through the same thing, going down that bridge. And so I think for me, that, that was the piece. Um, and then later on, of course, I found out that our folks also did work, but you know, that's, that's something that unfortunately is not in the art history books. Um, and that was something that I always asked my, my art history teacher, like, you know, the, I, I see all this, this reference to, to Europe, but uh, where are we? And then of course, I, that, that goes into college <laughs> where I still had to do my own research because the professor still didn't know, right? Um, even, even when I was in grad school, I still had to do educating in terms of like who I was researching and who I was looking at, so. And for me, I was, I think, a late bloomer to the arts. I was always artistic. I was always doodling in my notebooks during my classes. Um, but in, during my undergrad, um, Yolanda Lopez went to, to Sac State, where I was um, doing my, my undergrad, and started to talk about her Virgen de Guadalupe series and the relationship that she had with her mom and her complex relationship with dad. And so, like, it just, I'd never heard art be spoken about in a really, like, intimate um, 
just in, a, in an intimate, very pers personal kind of way. Um, so that series, you know, I think really spoke to the, the complex relationship that I have with religion um, and with my parents. And so it was just at that point, I realized like, oh, wow, it's not just aesthetic. It's not just like the beauty component of, of creation, right? Because um, it had never hit me that hard. And at that point, I even started to question whether or not sociology was the right field for me. Uh, but I was so deep into my major that I was like, okay, I finished. Um, and I can, I, I guess I found um, my art life through like, I was the, the one that did all of the protests, all of the marches, I was creating all of the posters and the banners. And so that's kind of how, <laughs> how I continued my art journey. Um, and, and yeah, that was kind of my connection. And, and Edgar, you're a poet as well, right? I am, yeah. Okay. Uh, is there a, a poem that we should listen to or search up after this that we should read, that we should look into? A poet, yes. So uh, <laughs> my painting of Miriam Mosquera, which is right behind me. Um, so Miriam Mosquera, Viento Exol, you need to look, look them up. She's amazing. Um, yeah, she's amazing, amazing. We did a, a piece where I painted her portrait and she did a poem uh, called Sol, which is attached to this painting. She's gonna make you cry, y'all. She's just so fucking powerful. I'm sorry, can I cry? She's so, <laughs> she's so powerful. Um, yeah, and I'm so connected to her. She's, she's beautiful. She's someone that you, yeah, that I rec highly recommend, not just for this show, but like, just she's killing it right now. Uh, Viento Exol. Um, but you can also find my poetry at com. I can also send it to y'all. Um, but yes, so. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, you, you talked a, a, a bit about heritage and the arts and how you combine that and how you express that through your, your work. And that's beautiful. I love that because what you're actually doing right now is you're making that history for future generations to learn from because we didn't have that as artists. Like you mentioned, that just that wasn't there. You know, being, you know, college educated in arts as well. I didn't know what Chicano art was <laughs> until I, I became a part of it. I didn't know I was immersed in it at the time, you know. So, you know, being, putting heritage and putting culture in art, putting your, your, yourself into your work, how, how have you, I guess, how have you shared that in white-centered spaces? How have you connected outside of the Latinidad? Oh, well, besides them bringing us in. <laughs> <laughs> we invited as a Comalito to, to specifically talk about the way or our approach to, to curating or to, to hosting an opening. Because I also feel that, that um, those definitions change uh, with, with us um, because it also attracts a whole different demographic that, that these spaces don't see. Um, I also feel, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty much it, right? Like there, there's such an expectation at these spaces that you're not supposed to do anything and be quiet and you're supposed to move uh, clockwise. And, and, I, and I feel like when there's so many restrictions placed on, 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 on POC communities in terms of, of, of just showing up to an event, they're, they don't feel comfortable at all and they'll leave. And I think that when there's the right energy in this space and when people are made to feel comfortable, not only uh, by greeting folks and by speaking to them, but also by the work that's in the walls, that folks will stay and that folks will take the time to look at the work. And even though it might not be something that, that they're probably accustomed to, to viewing, there is, there is an interest to, to the stuff that we show. And maybe that's the trust that, that folks have when when we showcase work that we have something to to say in terms of like what why we do the what we do um with these shows definitely but i on top to add to that i also think that it's important that um you know on top of doing some of the cultural things like bringing dance into our opening receptions and um but also like to to address the eurocentricity and kind of throw that off balance for for our white community who does attend and you know we make it, we, we don't run away from it. Um, we also center it and we say, we know that this may make you uncomfortable. We challenge you to stay um, and to listen and to learn and to grow. 
Um, and that's actually something that, that we do with all of our openings, um, so much so that our white community here in Vallejo is now really comfortable with who we are, but at first that was not the case. Um, but, you know, I'm very direct. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I challenge, I challenge my white community. If you're listening, I challenge you now to come to one of our openings. It may be uncomfortable, but you're going to learn something. I promise we are also very open about that, but we're also very open about like challenging um, what our community is doing. You know, prior to us opening, every February there was uh, the Art Walk had um, a Valentine's Day exhibit. And we're like, it's Black History Month. And we're in Vallejo where it's mostly Black and Latinx and Filipinx folks, like why is there not some sort of like celebration of, of black cultura, you know? Um, and folks were like, well, we don't want to address that. And, you know, we want it to be all inclusive. And I'm like, why, why is black not all inclusive? So, so even having to address some of those issues as Latinx folks and as folks who are representing like arts of color in Vallejo um, to just even like put a, a, uh, an open letter out to our city council about like, why is this not happening? Um, so we've kind of just been at the forefront of like addressing some of those issues. So, you know, to, to again, I think answer the question, like we, we challenge Eurocentricity always um, and, and we don't run away from it and we're, we're not afraid to address the issues that are important. Um, but with that said, we're also learning and growing ourselves and we aren't perfect and we don't always get it right, but we're constantly learning. And I think that the most important thing is that the community is part of that learning and that growing. Um, so we invite, you know, uh, as Latinx folks, that's why it's so important for us because we don't speak for all Latinx folks. We don't speak for all queer folks. We are not black. So we have to invite these communities to be part of the conversations and the planning um, so that, that we get it right or at least as right as possible. Um, and we continue to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. but that's I think amazing. I love that. Yeah. Another challenge too that well, we do like for our art shows, we, the statements that are on the walls are always in English and in Spanish. And so I think that that's also an important component to, to folks feeling like they understand or that they're included in, in what's happening, right? Um, and there's also during the artist talks, like we talk about specific pieces uh, where the artist goes more in depth about like what they were thinking about, their execution, why they were choosing the mediums that they were choosing and just the value that they have in terms of like the content that they're creating. Um, and I also feel like by doing that, it allows for, for people to think of art as something more than just something that goes on the wall, but also to, to flip it as well, right? That, that not just because that it's on the wall, that it can't be on the floor, that it can't be on the ceiling. So we also work with installation. We work with video projections. We work with folks that are pushing the boundaries of media um, and also uh, just introducing these crazy ideas to community that would probably be all like, why is there this thing on the corner that's not supposed to be there, right? And just having those kind of dialogues, uh, I think opens, up, opens people up to, to, to have the way that, that people are working with art currently. No, I love that. That's very inviting. That's great. I mean, because, you know, I see that as a lot of cultural inclusion and just kind of like, hey, it can swing both directions. You can include us, we can include you. We're one community. You know, I love that. That's wonderful, man. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what you have to do to provide that inclusivity and, and you have to stretch yourself and you have to challenge yourself and take some, some, some amazing risks to, to try to grab everyone and say, Hey, this is for you. This is, and, and I understand it's called El Comalito, but it's for our, you know, for whoever's included in that radius. So keep that going. I love it. So what would you say for someone that's like, I want my own El Comalito collective, but in Seattle or in El Paso, Texas or New York, like, what would you say? What are the first steps to beginning an El Comalito collective? Their own wow. version. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, that's a really hard question. Um, the reason why, <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Well, Don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's the reason why I think that it's hard is because, you know, um, again, I think that, that unfortunately, there's still a lot of work um, to be done, um, both at the local level uh, or, or at the local level, at the state level and at the, the federal level, at the global level, um, in regards to um, the va like value of art. Um, and so, you know, what folks, I think, it's, it's hard. Funding, getting funding is hard. Becoming a 501c3, which we're not yet, we're fiscally sponsored at this point, is challenging and expensive. Um, and the 
it's just there's there's a lot of money that goes out and there's like very little money that comes in. So um, so so the the funding is hard, but also the the we've done so much work at the ground level around value systems. And what I mean by that is that you know when we first opened, there was this um, I guess perception that that uh, communities of color don't buy art or don't have the money to buy art. So like needing to like change that that um, that perception was huge, right? But also needing to change the perception within our community, right? Where they would come into our space and because we're like, hey, Kiona, what's up? You know, um, that they would be like, oh, I really like that piece, but can I have it for this much less? Or like, they got they got the endo art or whatever it may be, right? Um, so we, or so, so like even just the value systems within our own communities about like, well, I can't afford that piece, but I can't afford my iPhone 10X or my Jordans or my, you know, 52 inch screen TV. So like having to change the value of how we see art versus technology or art versus fashion or art. So like, there's been a lot of work around that. Um, and that's been uh, a challenge, not just um, within our white communities, but also within our communities of color. Um, so, so changing perceptions and value systems around art has been uh, a huge challenge, um, but we are at that point, I think, where folks are excited and folks are, are investing in artists and they are investing in artwork, um, which is really beautiful. But the funding component is so challenging. Um, you know, again, we, we are fiscally sponsored nonprofit, but a lot of it is out of pocket. I'm not even going to lie. We spend like 90% of of our programming is paid out of our own pocket. And, you know, we can't, like, it's our baby, so we're willing to do that. But at the same time, like, no one should have to do that. Um, these funds should be accessible. There, are, there is funding, you know, at the community level, but there's also politics involved. And they always go to the same, you know, organizations that they've been going to for the last decade, two decades, three decades. So like, leading um, into like, kind of that, that uh, I don't know, like trying to get those monies is hard. And then the funds that are allocated to arts of color, now you're competing against other galleries that you really support and honor. And like, so this whole competition thing becomes messy because like there shouldn't be any competition. Like we're all doing beautiful work and we should all be funded. So the funding I think is the, the biggest challenge, but we don't want to discourage folks. Um, you can, email us, you can call us, we're happy to share what we know. Unfortunately, you know, when we opened, there was no like, how to run an art space 101. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe one should be written and we're happy to share the information that we've learned over the course of the last five years that we've been open. Um, so, so what is step one? Like just if, if they want to start besides like emailing you guys, like what would be the first baby step? So first baby step. Um, I think for me, for, for me, yeah, I'm speaking yeah, 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 yeah. for me, um, love for community. I think that that has to be like, for uh, like the number one thing. I mean, I, I come from a migrant farm working family, uh, poor. And so community has always been central. Uh, my grandfathers from both of my, my parents, they have like 10 or 12 kids. And it's it's community, it's family, and so I think that that has always um, driven my my need to seek out folks that are feeling the same way, and therefore, like throughout my whole art career, I feel like I'm always seeking out folks that always want to talk about issues, or folks that always would want to collaborate, or folks that would want to go out and I don't know get a beer and talk about like the show that we just saw and how awful it is and then <laughs> or you know what I'm saying like you, you just you start finding just like those folks that are that are that are that are driven to 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 do something about it um and there's there's always spaces where people can rent out as studios and it, it's it's up to the imagination really and that drive of what can happen with the space uh what could happen with the room and I think it because when we first got our space, we were like, okay, we have this space. It's a, it's a downtown uh, storefront. What are we going to do? You know? And we decided to just open up the doors, put up work on the wall, and talk <laughs> about the work. And people started showing up. <laughs> and so I feel like once 
people start seeing that there's something that's that's generating um, conversation or that 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 starts representing people from from that specific community then that community is going to show up you know and they're going to have something to say about it and and we have to hear it we have to hear the good we have to hear the bad and that's what we're there for right to to really like hear out exactly what's happening whether it's uh folks need help with uh with uh undocumented um funds for for folks or like folks need resources to this and i think that the art becomes kind of like the vehicle that kind of gets everything working i think it's mostly about like just wanting to to foster that space that that gives you whatever resource you need and i think that that's where the social justice component comes in for us because it isn't just about the art art just becomes kind of like the 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 thing that kind of brings everything together mm -hmm. so I like really clear cookie cutter steps one a mission statement <laughs> two <laughs> a team that's committed three fundraising organizing four um scouting out a space getting your business license five <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. the the, the typical huh uh, right. no no but that was so eloquently said i love that that it comes from the heart you're artists we're artists so like we know what that's like we don't really think with our brains all the time we just go 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 when we have an idea we just have to do it um yeah absolutely good answer yeah i love that i love that um and i know not just in relation to COVID 19 or anything but how do you feel social media has made an impact on El Comalito in coming out to the gente, coming out to the, the bigger community? Has it helped? Has it really not helped much? I mean, oh yeah, no. Can you share on that? It blew up. Yeah, social media, I think, is 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 what allows us to do all of our promo prom, uh, promotion, our marketing uh, for free. Um, it's it's our number one source of of getting information out. Um, social media has helped tremendously. Folks have just reached out and it's allowed us to build a community virtually. Even prior to the pandemic, you know, it's how our following was able to grow and how folks were able to, to see, you know, where we, who we are, where we are at, the type. So all of the shows, all of the work after the opening goes up on our social media so folks can see it even if they're, you know, in LA or New York or, or wherever it is that they are. So social media has been a huge, huge help, but it's also how we build relationships with the artists. So some of the artists that we've shown or that we've flown out, um, or some of the artists that we brought uh, to collaborate with for like Mercados, um, the Mujeres Mercado, or um, with like Nalguana Positivity Pride, for example, um, we connected with via social media. They're like, hey, we love what you're doing. And we're like, hey, we love what you're doing. How can we work together? Um, and that's how a lot of the collaborations have, have happened. So so you know yes there are the negative sides of social media where it's like you know the the you know the typical the draining the exhausting the um the, the addressing the addressing the constant redirecting right where folks want to compartmentalize you and they're like oh latinx artists or an art gallery or a cultural art center y'all are amazing and then we say black lives matter and then you see <laughs> i'm so sorry so you know they try and compartmentalize you. Oh, give me one second. We can give them a break. It's fine. No problem. No, no, it's fine. No problem. <laughs> uh, this commercial break's been brought to you by a couple of dogs. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Sorry. There you yes. Go. Um, hey, who's this? This is Soli. Um, she's we adopted her seven years ago. She's she's amazing. Um, no, but folks try and I think like they they have an image. Um, and then you talk about like queer issues and then you have folks who maybe are, are, are not on board with queer issues or you talk about Black Lives Matter issues or some of the things that are going on right now with like the, the, the protests and folks have different opinions. So, you know, when we take specific stances, um, it can get, I think, challenging and having to like redirect um, folks who are supportive but maybe need more education about specific issues, um, as well as folks who are just trolling and having to address trolls and things like that on social media can be hard. But overall, social media has greatly helped us and that's how we do all of our marketing and promotion and outreach. And I was actually also gonna say too that with social media, it allowed us to define what community meant. And I think like when, when we first opened up and we said that we, um, we showcased uh, uh, marginalized communities, and um, 
queer women, uh, QPOC folks. But I think like when, when we started exhibiting folks that were not from our name, from, from Vallejo, folks really had an issue with it. And so we really had to address what community meant in terms of expanding those boundaries and to really offer opportunities for folks that don't have opportunities wherever they, where they're from. Um, and I think that that, that, that rede redefining of, of that term really uh, talks to what social media uh, has done for us. Uh, through social media, we have met a lot of our artists. Through them, we have also connected with other, other spaces to, to showcase at other cities by bringing the Comalito there. And so um, I think Networking-wise, I think it, it has been the tool that we use, mostly, for sure. All right. Speaking of uh, networking and using media to, to find these artists, who are some artists that people should be following right now on Instagram? Ooh. <laughs> I know. Okay. That, that might be a loaded question for you guys. But, no, no, but what, no, who's no. one? Who, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, no. I mean, we can. Uh, we're sorry. There's so many of you. This is no, no shade to anyone that we don't mention, but... Uh, Gabriel Garcia Roman, Juan Barroso, Isaac Sagun, uh, Viento Ex Sol, uh, Cristal Galindo, um, Rafa Esparza. Yeah. I love Rafa Esparza. Chris Almado, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Amparo Ochoa. I'm like, like looking at, at our. Uh, I'm I know the list goes on and on, but we just want to give people a head start, right? <laughs> we, we, can, we can make a list and put it online and put it on the website. <laughs> You can, yeah, there's so many folks doing so many things right now. Um, and I think with social media, it, it has really expanded um, what, we're, what we have access to. I mean, I wish I was, I, I had social media when I was like really certain, when I was seeking out these folks and couldn't find any. And now it's like, there's so many folks out there doing work. And I think that that's, that's the beautiful thing about it, that, that folks can get connected through, through a, a virtual format. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And piggybacking on that question, um, you guys have a, uh, a show that you put on on Instagram live uh, beyond the screen. Yes. yes. Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about that and maybe some of your favorite guests so far. Yeah. So that's actually a show that we decided to, 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 to start um, or a segment of, of Comalipo that we decided to start at the beginning of the pandemic. And really it's, um, you know, we, we are in close communication with a lot of these artists and, and we are able to just like, just talk to them about um, like the good, the bad and the ugly, the things that folks don't often talk about because again, with the arts, there's this romanticized notion of what the artist is, right? Um, and uh, on, like even magical realism, right? With like scientists, you, uh, if you're a scientist, it's like you worked really hard at that. But if you're an artist, you're just naturally talented right you just woke up one day and <laughs> yeah and it's like there's no work that goes into it or if there is work you shouldn't complain because you're doing what you love uh and it's just like so so really like the intention of beyond the screen is to reach beyond the screen because we are in a virtual world currently um but not just to talk about like the the artist statement the very polished like um you know the very polished statement of what a body of work is or what an artist is about but really talk about just some of those challenges you know uh, make those artists accessible not just for folks who are uh, followers of that artist but also for other artists so that they're not feeling alone you know because oftentimes I see like as, a, as an artist sometimes I'm just like oh my gosh how is this person busting out this much work or what is going on with this person or like like what was the meaning behind this piece or you only get a curated, um, uh, I guess, a, a very curated um, Instagram or social media um, uh, image of what an art, of who this artist is. So we really wanted to, to allow space for artists to, to share about like, yeah, social media, sometimes it's beautiful because it gets my work out there but also seeing the following in the negative comments or uh, artists have gone on there and spoken about how they spent, you know, a hundred hours on this piece and it gets 30 likes and people just sc scroll by. So like the, the, the crazy ratio of like how much time is spent creating something and then the image goes onto a platform and like less than a second and someone can go 
past it, right? So like it's to talk about some of the real issues um, as well as some of the really beautiful things that are happening, um, but just give folks that ability to connect with this artist on an intimate level and get to ask the questions or this artist questions live. And I think folks have really resonated with that segment of our, of, of our space because folks, we, you know, it's called Beyond the Screen, let's get real, for real. Mm -hmm. For real, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> real, real. <laughs> and, uh, and folks really are getting real, you know. And at first, when we when we you know checked in with the artists that we brought onto the segment and asked them like, "Are you willing to to get vulnerable?" We didn't know what the answer would be because often, you know, as artists, we um, we need to be on, or it has to be this very polished artist statement, and um, and so we just wanted to like just be open with the artist and be like, hey, like, it's okay to talk about, we're not gonna push you or we would never force you to talk about something you're uncomfortable with. But at the same time, like, <laughs> I get I'm, I'm getting anxiety even just being on here. And I think it's important <laughs> for folks to, well, to yeah, hear that, right? Like, like it's important for folks so, to hear that. Um, for that honesty, no, we need to hear it. We need to make yeah. uh, being an artist tangible. You know, like it's, it's we yeah. have this idea of what an artist is supposed to be like. They're supposed to go to art school. They're mm -hmm. supposed to, you know, speak ever so eloquently. And they're supposed to have like, you know, this persona and this business aspect to it. But it's, it's not real. It's not really tangible. So it's that romanticism, yeah, that needs to kind of go away and have that realism of, you know, we're real people. We have our heritage, we have our culture, we have our community, we have our, our likes, our dislikes, and oh yeah, yeah. And That's we don't great, know it all. I love that. So I'm a teacher and I remember like the first time a kid ran into me at a grocery store when I was in a middle school teacher and they're just like, <gasps> like you live outside of the school walls, right? So it's that reaction with artists that we have to show that, yeah, we have our lives. We have, you know, little ones or a dog and we, we have our anxieties and our phobias just like everybody else. I love it. I love, and I, I love watching those interviews, by the way. Thank you. Can, can you do the intro one more time? Just because <laughs> it's the best intro in the world. Yeah, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Screen. Let's get real. For real? For real. For real. Yes. And then the intro music, of course, right? What was what was that? But you know what's so funny? Like, I think those conversations come out of what happens in our gallery. And I think that that all all the work that we do is an extension of of what really happens in these in the space or in in the space even though it's multiple spaces now right we used to have a gallery lost it now we're we're at cal maritime and that's like on hold and so we moved it virtually but it still continues that same and it has the same intention and i think that that's always the the the, the beautiful thing that comes out that we really want want these artists to be tangible and we want we want them to to uh to be relatable and we want folks to understand what they're saying. And I think that also when we were talking about um, uh, uh, how do you make people comfortable, it's like, I think when it comes to art, there's very specific language that is always used. And I think that that's the biggest disconnect that can happen with our community, especially when you're producing images of that community. And so for me, like coming back from, from Yale, it's like, that's exactly what I don't want to happen. You know what I'm saying, and 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 when when we first started doing the gallery, we made sure that 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 language needed to change, and if we were going to use that language, that there needed to be uh, a definition and an explanation of, of what exactly was being said, so people could feel exactly what the intention was in the beginning, right? That it, it wasn't about like making folks feel like, oh wait, I totally don't get it. I need to write that piece of advice down because I forget sometimes, you know, you want to throw in the word like, I mean, it's, it's kind of cliche to say juxtaposition, but like, <laughs> what is that word to a 17 year old Latino boy, you know, that's never been in an art class before, right? They're just gonna be like, ah, I'm done. Like, I'm out. This, this place is not for me. So I'm glad that you shared that. And I mean, and, I, and it's great if you understand and you can pick up on that language, but also knowing, like, when that language needs to be used and and when it needs to be changed. And I think that that's also coming from uh, 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 a part of, in, or a point in my life where uh, my folks barely know how to speak English. And so 
when I was talking about my personal artwork, it needed to be in Spanish and it needed to be accessible for them to understand. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about like the theory of blah, blah, blah and, and the, the theory of image making or whatever. Even though we do understand that those conversations are very important, we, we put it to practice. Mm-hmm. And we actually make it happen through the virtual paint parties. And we talk about the importance of creating your own image and having those tools to be able to, 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 to put these tools to, or these, these um, uh, what is it called, uh, approaches and mediums together to speak on something that you want to talk about. And so you have choices and it becomes a language for you to use. And I mean, I, I'm rambling on, but I feel like when, when you start actually like having these tools accessible to 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 folks like something clicks like something clicks in these people and 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 it's just beautiful to see when like a few months later down the line they come into the gallery and they're like can we sit down I have like a few paintings and I want to show you uh what I've been thinking about and actually some of our friends currently never thought they would be doing art but now that's that's part of their healing process that's a space that they go into to be able to heal themselves or talk about issues that they don't want to share with anyone possibly, but it, it does offer a space for themselves mentally. So, so the healing component of art, I think, is also an important part that we haven't really talked about, um, how our communities really do need that healing and that space and those tools to be able to, 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 be able to um, uh, work some of those things out. I, I don't know if anyone's ever told you, but you're leaving behind a legacy. You know that, right? Like, what, what oh, yeah. you're doing is planting the artistic seed in people and, and that's going to keep going. I mean, from that point on, you know, you, you never know who they're going to inspire and who they're going to inspire because we all inspire each other. So man, it's exponential growth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is. It's, it's so important. Yeah. You know? um, and again, like we're living in a time where, where that visibility can be, can be transported so fast, uh, so quickly uh, to, to so many different places that I feel now is the time to do things. And like, like Edgar was talking about earlier, like what, what would we be doing to, for the future selves of, of, of us, right? And, and for the future kids. And I feel like that is part of, of, of what we have to do is that we need to create markers uh, to say that things did happen, right? That work was being done, that work was being written about. And that's one of the reasons why we also decided to open up the space too, because guess what? We do live in this city. And there are artists here, and they are they are making work that's 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 uh, impactful and that's meaningful. And they're in our own city, and they're here now, um, versus like, oh, that's history, right? That was in the past, or and and I think that's also a realization that people have uh, when we have these openings is that oh, guess what? The artist is here, and it's al- and this person is alive, right? Like, and they're accessible, and you can speak to them, and you can hear them, and they're and I think that that just does something to people. Um, again, the impact is there, but I feel like when it comes to, to youth, that is so important um, because it, it, it opens up possibilities. I agree. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love how you mentioned how art is a voice and how it's, it's allowing people to express in ways that they didn't know they, they were able to because a lot of people don't know how to in a way still self-identify or even to voice how they feel and where they're going and how they're living and navigating through this this contemporary culture that we're in you know and you mentioned that and and it's so true you're you're empowering people and, and even just yeah. kind of like the definition of what art is too like yeah i think when we're talking about like culture specifically we're talking about our ancestor did embroidery and they did pottery and, and we're amazing cooks, are amazing cooks and builders. And so I think like just that whole, just that, that culture, that whole idea of like creating things with your hands and your mind and, and, and how that's always been done, uh, but it doesn't necessarily, it, it, it doesn't get necessarily given that, that label of art. Um, and I think that that's also a, a, a learning component that we bring to folks, right? That guess what, you have been doing art or you have, you have art in your homes, but it doesn't necessarily get called art um, and the redefining of what that means and who has access to it. And yeah, the reclaiming I think is important. Um, yeah, for sure the reclaiming is important. But, but also to one thing that's really resonating um, with me around the healing component is one of the really beautiful things that has happened with El Comalito with both 
uh, classically trained artists as well as artists who are learning um, to do the work, you know, from whatever medium it is that they're using, um, is that folks come to our space with their work wanting a critique. And for anyone um, who has done the formal art thing, critiques are oftentimes really traumatic, you know? Um, <laughs> they can be scary. Um, and so we talk about like, what would critiques look like if they were approached from a healing component? And, um, and talking about like what's really working and what's not really working without destroying the artist, um, you know? And, and um, so I think that, that the other component, I mean, is like to offer a space where folks can feel comfortable talking about their work, no matter what level of artistry they're at, whether they're just learning to pick up a brush or whether they are formally trained and are coming into the space asking, for a solo exhibition and asking for feedback about the body of work. I think that, that the approach is that this does belong to you, that no matter where you are on your journey, that it can be approached through a healing, learning, growing lens, um, and that we're happy to be folks on your journey that will help support that journey, right? Um, and I think that that's important. Yeah, that's a, a good message to end on. Um... I, you know, being Latino in this country, it comes with a lot of opportunity, but it does kind of come with this, uh, like this, uh, the stigma of having to strip away your identity sometimes to assimilate with, with the rest of the culture. And, and what that leaves is just a lot of people kind of not really knowing where they belong for a long time until you maybe reach, you know, our age where we, we finally found the aha, you know, there's this epiphany that happens. And, you know, I'm thankful for El Comalito and thankful for additional projects that are like this happening throughout the nation where we can create a digital and a physical manifestation of what it looks like to be proud of your heritage and proud of where you come from and proud of where we're going. Um, thank you for providing that. Miguel, do you have any final questions for our amazing guests here? No, no. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great just to learn about you and learn about what El Comalito means in, in the community. And it's, it's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. If, if you haven't visited El Comalito before, I'm um, talking to my guests here. If you haven't visited El Comalito, you should check out their virtual uh, permanent collection. It is extensive. And then the virtual tour is really great. Um, I, I walked around in circles, not because I was lost and I couldn't Funky and make it function right, but it's just because the artwork was so so captivating, and each one had um, messages, some ambiguous and some very crystal clear. But I found some artists on there like John Galan, Lorena Cruz Santiago, and Gabriel Jeronimo, who, where I was just like, man, I want I want a piece too. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then obviously your pieces are also um, amazing, and we need to talk about them some other time. So I hope you can come back on the show individually or together and talk about your artwork because I, I want to talk about it so bad but but it's, it's been an hour and I want to respect your time thank you so much do you guys have any questions for us um, I mean we didn't properly even introduce ourselves I'm Saul <laughs> and that's Miguel right there I think he's muted I'm, I'm Miguel on mute <laughs> no, yeah, mucho gusto los dos. Thank you all for the beautiful work that y'all are doing. Y'all are also creating a legacy and making sure that artists are heard and represented. And um, through this beautiful podcast, Consapos, follow them. Um, amazing, amazing. Thank you so much um, for for inviting us and for for just being real humans and just down. And uh, I think that's really beautiful. You know, we do like we've done interviews. Uh, more recently because of, of the virtual stuff that we're doing is re reached a larger audience. So folks have reached out, I think, more recently, but it's not always just like a really cool, chill vibe and y'all have that just down vibe. So at least for me, I really, as someone who struggles with anxiety, as you saw earlier, um, I just really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, y'all are just cool folks. So thank you so much. Likewise, I really thank you for that thank feedback. You, uh, I, I suffer from the same anxiety, so it's it's great to see people that you feel like you've known for a little bit, and you can sit down, and it's almost like we're having a beer, just chilling, relaxing, and, and talking yeah. art. So thank you for that, and uh, that, well, well, we're looking forward for the next time. Sounds good. All right, fight, keep on fighting the good fight. We'll see you next time. Igual, adios. Adios. adios.
Hey, thank you for listening today. It means a lot. I hope you're inspired to engage with the community, create or buy art locally, or to start your own cultural center in your own city or town. And if you are interested in starting your own cultural space, reach out to Comelito Collective on Instagram, Facebook, as well as through their website at elcomelitocollective.com to visit their calendar of events, to see their virtual art shows. And if you have the means, please donate to support them. And don't forget to tune into their Instagram show, Beyond the Screen, where they interview artists, talk to creatives, much like what we're doing here on Consapo's podcast. It's a great show. You need to catch it. Great. If you want to see, if you want to see more of these artists and others, uh, check out our website at consapospodcast.com. Make sure that if you are buying art, buy local. Try to reach out to those artists that you're following on Instagram or go to your local galleries to see who's creating in your space in your town. If and when you are buying art, if you can't find it, go to 1xrun.com where you can buy art at a 10% discount if you enter a promo code LATINX. Um, that would be supporting independent artists, a lot of like street artists, contemporary 21st century artists that are creating nationwide, but definitely need that additional support as well. Um, but uh, yeah. Again, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode. All right, yeah, join us next week when we interview Nathan Orozco, an artist out of Texas, residing in Portland and is creating some incredible sculptures, installations, drawings, paintings. So until then, keep creating and catch you next time.